give you guys another tool in your tool belt to help you be able to cultivate growth through the summer, which is great. So there's a million different ways you can cultivate growth in your heart. So this series could go on forever. But we just wanted to give you a couple of really applicable tools for you. So we all have things in our lives that we'd like to see. And it could be something small, like I used to have this thing called the Summer Dream Goal List. Now I look back on it, it's a dumb name. Dumb name for a list. But it was called my Summer Dream Goal. And I had this list of things that I wanted to do. And one year, one of the things that were on my list of things to do was just something simple, like I wanted to ride a horse really bad. So one of the things on my list was of course. So we all have things that we'd like to see happen in our lives. Whether it's something really small and meaningless, like riding a horse, or whether it's something really important to our hearts, like having a good relationship with our parents, or maybe it's something that's kind of in between, like, I want to become a manager at this place. Like, I work for a fast food restaurant, and one day I'd like to be the manager. What, whatever it is, or if it's kind of a mixture of all of those things together, we all have things that we'd like to see happen in our lives. So Proverbs 3, 1 through 2. Yeah, we've been doing a series on Sunday uh, called uh, Solomon Says. I figured why not start off with the Proverbs since we're in the summertime. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So what has he told you? What has he commanded you? What has he told you? Like think back, if you went to desperation or even if you just came to youth group and you felt him saying something to your heart. I want you to think about that because this verse says, do not forget my teaching. Do not forget the things that he has told you about most. Do not forget the things that he's told you about. So even if it's something small, like I want you to learn how to manage your anger, or if it's something really, really large, like I have this addiction, I'd like to get rid of it, and I feel like he wants me to give it up. I want you to keep in mind that those things, God does not want you to forget about them. He does not want you to forget about them. So we all have those things that we like to see in our lives, but the problem is, most of those things, like whether it's giving up an addiction, or whether it's wanting to ride a horse, or whether it's having a good relationship with our parents. Oftentimes, those things just never come to pass. They never happen in our lives. And the, or maybe we get a little taste of it, but they're never fully realized. So there's a few different reasons why this can happen, and there's a few different reasons why promises or things that are in our heart don't get fulfilled. So I don't want to make it up to seem like this is the only reason why promises don't get fulfilled in our lives. Because that's not true. But I do believe that tonight's word, hey listen up everybody. I do believe that tonight's word really is a timely word. Meaning that it might not be true for everybody all the time, but it is true for tonight. Like I believe that God wants you guys to hear this thing tonight. So this is just one thing of why these promises don't get fulfilled in our lives. Um, so I want to take one concept and see how we can make those little saplings that Isaac talked about the first week, those little baby trees, and how we can see them become trees in our lives. Because the process between a little tiny baby sapling tree that's so delicate to seeing it become a fully realized tree, that's a process, right? 
That's not something that just comes overnight. But I want to talk to you about that. So, I want to start off with a story. Um, can you pull up the picture of the sunflowers? Yay, sunflowers. Okay, this story has to do with McKenna. This is McKenna over here. Yeah, this is one of my closest friends, McKenna. Okay, see that beautiful field of sunflowers? When I look at McKenna's yard, this is what I see in my mind. Such a beautiful, <laughs> giant sunflowers. She has these sunflowers that are like as tall as this thing right here. So big, so beautiful. And when I think about how beautiful they are, I've just always said, man, I'd love to have that for my yard. I mean, who wouldn't want these giant, beautiful sunflowers in their yard? So at the beginning of the summer, McKenna told me, hey, I've got some of these. <laughs> Sorry. She's seen She knows. <laughs> okay. So at the beginning of summer, she's like, man, I've got these little saplings. And I didn't know if you wanted any, but I've got some little volunteer saplings. And I'd love to see them go to a good home. And if you want them, <laughs> If you want these little sunflowers, all you have to do is plant them in your yard and grow them, and they'll get as big as my sunflowers are. Now, how good does that sound? Amazing! Sounds incredible! And it sounds like exactly what I want! Yeah! I said yes, she brought them over, and there was probably eight, right? Like, between, between four to eight. I don't remember the exact amount. It felt like a lot. I thought I was going to get this. Um, <laughs> So I took these sunflowers in, and I wanted sunflowers in my yard. But then, I didn't plant them. <laughs> and summer kept going on, and I kept forgetting to plant them. And even if I watered them, I had like good intentions, like the good intentions, yeah. And then I just kept forgetting to plant them. And even if I watered them a little here or there, I started to see them wilt. And then we left for desperation. And I came back, and they were flat dead. There was like one that was barely hanging out, and then I tried to like water it a little, and it died. <laughs> this is a beautiful representation of our desires and dreams that just never, ever get realized. I wanted beautiful sunflowers, but I was not willing to put in the work and devoting myself to making my yard a beautiful summer dream house. <laughs> my yard still just is not that, but that's okay. Um, so I thought it would be nice to have sunflowers, but I wasn't determined to have sunflowers. So tonight I really want to talk about the benefits of determination and how that really is as a timely word tonight, the way that we can cultivate growth in our hearts. So what is determination? Anybody raise their hands? I'm willing to get volunteers to tell me what they think determination is. I looked up on Google, so. Yeah. What? The will to do something. Okay, what about you, Brandon? To wake up early every morning. That's what you think of? Wake up early in the morning. All right, anybody else? Any other thoughts as to what determination is? No? Moses about to fall asleep. What about Ian? Dedication? Determination? Dedication? Okay, I looked it up and it says firmness of purpose and a resoluteness. 
So like, this is going to happen, and I'm going to make sure that this happens. So I wanted to look up Isaiah 50, 5 through 7 right quick. Okay. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I did not hide my face from his gracious bidding, but the Lord God helped me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. This, John Kinsel, did you not pull that up? <laughs> okay, well, that's Isaiah 50, 5 through 7. Oh! Um, so this is determination, right? How many of you guys have heard the term, put your face like flint? It's something that sometimes people in the church talk about, especially people who are very prophetic. They'll say this all the time. This is something that I really, really like the idea of. So I looked up flint, and how many of you guys have ever heard of the rock flint before? If you go camping a lot, you hear that you can use flint to make a fire. And another use for flint is they use it for weapons, sharp objects. Native Americans use it as the end of their spear to make them. It's a really hard rock that is used, and it can be very, very sharp. So it can be used to make weapons, tools, start fires. So it's basically a description of just an unwavering determination to persevere. Like when I look it up, it was just this beautiful image of this will happen. Like if you think about a spear, and you think about, I want to be that spearhead that can drive myself through a bison or whatever. Like I want to be able to be that spearhead that says, this is gonna, this stick is gonna go through the dam. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's that image in the Bible of, of determination, is being that end of the spear. So when, I, when you guys hear that term of a face like flint, it's putting your face in that direction and driving it forward. Like, this is going to go through and believing that. So it's not just us who's called to have determination, but Jesus, of course, is the ultimate example of determination in our lives. And I wanted to show you guys that because this is directly correlating and this specifically is talking about Jesus. Isaiah is oftentimes the precursor in all of the prophecies about who Jesus was. If you guys look at that, it says, you know, in my cheeks and those who pull out my beard. Okay, that's a, clearly a dude. <laughs> because, you know, unless you're the bearded lady, it's going to be a guy. And this is an image of Jesus before he came to earth and died on a cross for us. And this is the image of his face that was set like flint towards the crucifixion, which is very interesting and beautiful. So I want us to go to Luke, um, Luke 9:51. It says, when the, when the days drew near for him to be, him is in Jesus, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And I just think that that's so beautiful, that we have the... We have Jesus, who's our Savior, who had to set his face towards his crucifixion. Like, it wasn't something that just happened where he was just like walking along and it just so happened to go into Jerusalem. 
and then he was bound and crucified. He set his face towards there because he knew he would be crucified. And I want us to be the sort of people who have the determination of Jesus. Because as it turns out, they're saying, the Bible says that we're to follow Christ's example. And we're to let others follow our example as we follow Christ. And part of that is his determination to do the will of God. So, in Joshua 1.7, just to give you guys a little context about this one. Um, in Joshua, Moses had just given Joshua the reins, and Moses died. And Joshua had to figure out, okay, Moses died, he took us through all of the craziness that was... Um, that was before they got into the promised land. And Joshua's job was to lead them to victory through the promised land. But the problem was, Joshua didn't really feel like the guy. He didn't really feel like, have you guys ever felt like God has called you to do something that you were just not built for, or maybe that you do not have the ability to do it? Well, that's how Joshua felt. And um, in Joshua 1.7, it says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Do not turn from it the left or the right hand, or, wait, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Now that success he's talking about is that fulfillment, that you will have that fulfillment wherever you go. So if you want to have that fulfillment of your dreams, you can't be leaning to the left or to the right, and that's that example of your faith like Does that make sense, you guys? Are you guys starting to understand yes. that the way to get from point A to the end of your journey, point B or point Z or whatever, the way to get there is not just going to happen overnight, and it's not going to happen because you just will it to happen, and just because you want it to happen. These things don't happen just because we want them. These happen because we determine them to happen. Does that make sense? So like if you've got something in your life that you've been really, really wanting, maybe it is freedom from an area of sin. Maybe it's wanting to get over fear and anxiety. Maybe your desire is just to be able to get out of the house and make friends for once in your life. Well, the answer to that is not just to want it to happen. The answer to that is to not turn to the right or to the left, but to set your face like that arrow, like that flint, to set your face like flint towards the destination you want to go. Because this stuff doesn't just happen. So think about it. The first verse that I told you was all about remembering and to coming to, to, to your mind the things that God has told you. So what has God told you? What is the thing that God wants you to do? Because that stuff that, God's gonna, that God wants you to do, he is the God of the universe. But he works with you. And he cannot do it without you, not because he's not capable, not because he doesn't want, but because he has made himself to be in relationship with you. Meaning that I'm not going to drag Isaac to where I want to go. That's just not the way it works. I and him are a team. And in the same way, our relationship with God is primarily teamwork. So God tells us what to do because he knows everything and we don't know what the heck we're doing. And so he tells us what we're doing and then we, as obedient people, set our face like flint towards that direction and he makes us prosper. That's what this rule of thumb is. This, uh, this Joshua, it says, 
When you do that, when you don't turn your hand to the right or to the left, then you will have good success wherever you go. Now, who wants to have good success? Yeah. All of us. Nobody wants to feel like a failure. That sucks. How many of you gone through a season where you failed a test? That sucks. How many of you gone through a season where you just cannot clean your room, no matter how hard you try? You just want your room to be clean, but you don't actually want to clean your room. We've all been there, and it sucks. But the way to have good success is not to turn to the right or to the left. Stop looking through your old journals when you're cleaning your room. You need to just breathe. This is me in high school. I would want to clean my room, but I didn't want to actually clean it. So the key to having success in what you do is simply to set your face towards it. So instead of avoiding it, sometimes God can tell us something that he, he enlightens us in an area of our lives that we need to work on. And instead of addressing it and moving forward, we can feel really ashamed about it and we'll hide. And we'll, we'll not set our face towards it. We'll ignore it. And we'll pretend like it's not there. But that's not, that's not the way to go, guys. Because it doesn't help you and it also doesn't help you get out of it. The way to approach something like that is to set your face towards it and to drive yourself through it. Does that make sense? So, obviously Joshua goes through the promised land and he's successful wherever he goes. With the exception of one sin issue that got dealt with, they're successful in everything they do and they take over the promised land. And that's just because this, he did what God told him to do. He just set his face like Flint. He set his face and he didn't go to the left or to the right. He just went forward with what God told him to do and he was successful. And so that's what I want for us tonight and that's what I feel like is a timely word as we go through this summer. So Second Chronicles, oh wait, before I move forward from that, I just wanted to mention that if you're somebody who's made excuses for yourself and you've said, well, you know, I wish I could clean my room, but I just, I'm just really depressed. Well, okay, that can be fair to a, to a point, but the room's still got to get clean, right? And it can be fair to say, I have anxiety, I, I want to have friendship, but I have anxiety, okay? Well, oftentimes when you say that, you're using that as a scapegoat to not have to do the things and to still complain about it, as opposed to saying, I have anxiety, I'm going to deal with it. Or saying, I have depression, I'm going to deal with it. You know, my room's really dirty, it sucks, and I hate it, but i got to deal with it. And instead of dealing with it, we can use those things that keep us from, from addressing our issues, and we can use those as a reason to, to turn from the, to the left or to the right. Does that make sense? Instead of focusing on it and working through it and driving our face through it like Flint, we avoid it, and then we never grow, we never get better in our lives, and we never cultivate growth, and we never get from that sapling to that full-blown tree. So anyway, there's that. Um, okay, Second Chronicles 34, 1 through 7. And this is one of my favorite in the whole Bible. This is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Okay, I didn't mark this one, so hold on just a second. All right, all right, here it is. Okay, 
So this is the spewed Josiah. Okay, so speaking of people who had excuses to not do the thing that God wanted them to do, Josiah came from a, a dad who sucked. He didn't do what God wanted him to do, and he paid for it and he died. So Josiah came on the throne when he was eight years old, guys. How would you like to inherit a throne at eight years old? That would be terrible and overwhelming. You saw what happened to, uh, in, what's his name? To, uh, yeah, King Tut. King Tut did not turn out well, and he inherited the throne when he was young. But that's not the story of this guy's life, Josiah. And I just wanted to shed light on somebody who did not come from, from a dad who loved God, who did not have a reason to really thrive and to cultivate growth in his life, but under the circumstances he had, instead of allowing those to just keep him a sapling in his whole life, he allowed himself to grow and to cultivate growth in his life and to do the right thing when it was hard. So let's read it. Okay. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. So notice how they said David his father instead of his actual father, just to prove that if you go back far enough, you'll find somebody in your life who did love God. And they went back way far back to David to show there was somebody within his lineage who loved God. And instead of saying, I'm going to take my father's name and say, I'm the son of this man who did evil in the eyes of the Lord, I'm going to take the name of my father, David, to promote myself, to, to elevate myself to the royalty that he needed to be. Okay, so... And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. That's that word again, you guys. Do not turn to the right or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father. And in the twentieth, in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah. Now I want you guys to listen to something. The imagery in this passage is not what you would normally hear as this tender-hearted, meek, gentle, like soft version of Jesus. That version of Jesus exists and it's beautiful. But if you know one thing about the Bible, it's that one thing, the justice of God, can be just as true as the mercy of God. So I want you guys to, to look at this through the eyes of the justice of God, not the mercy of God, okay? Okay. In the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem in the high places. And the ashram, the carved and the metal images, they, and they chopped down the altars of the Baal in his presence. And he cut down the incense altars that stood above them. And he broke in pieces the ashram and the carved and metal images. And he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who sacrificed them. That's hard for he also burned the bones of the priests on their altars. So he took the bones of the dudes who owned the altars and he burned them on their own altars, which is crazy, and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, as far as the Naphtali, in their rooms all around, he broke down the altars and beat the ashram and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars 
throughout all the land of Israel. And then he returned to Jerusalem. How crazy is that? Talk about setting your face like Flint and not turning to the left or to the right. This dude saw these images, these basically the whole land because of his father and people before him put up these demonic altars and actual like these carved images and all these things that were demonic in his land. And because this was the land of God, he was like, this stuff does not belong here. And when he came into town and when he came into his own, instead of using his past as an excuse and using his father as an excuse, he went to town with his face like flint and tore down all of these things. And the imagery is very, very violent. So if you want to deal with your crap, hey, listen, this is important for you guys right now. If you want to deal with your crap, you have to start getting violent. You have to stop making excuses for yourself. You have to stop turning to the left or to the right. You have to start addressing it and facing it head on. And you have to be just as violent as Josiah was in his land as you are on the land that you are in, meaning your, your, your body and the body that God's given you. Your phones, that's your land. Your rooms, what is in your room that does not honor God? Let's talk about that for a second. What is in your room that does not honor God? Because I'm sure there is something. And listen, you guys can make excuses for it all day long, but you will have to face the judgment of God. And it is hard. It is hard to, you can brush it to the side, you can turn to the left and to the right and pretend it's not there, but God sees all of your life, the good and the bad. And just because there's good in your life does not mean you won't have to face the bad. That's the reality of it. And I don't want to make it sound like there's no mercy. Of course there's mercy. But there's mercy for things that you want to change. There's grace to give you the ability to take these things out of your life. These things are idols. The stuff that might be on your phone might be an idol. It might be something that does not honor God. And how willing are you to purge your life of things do not honor Him? Does that make sense? Because it matters. And you can turn to the left or to the right, but I guarantee you God is not turning to the left or to the right about these things in your life. It matters to Him. It matters just as much because He cares about your heart and He knows what it's doing to you on the inside. So this stuff matters to Him. So if you think, and you can try to push it to the side and brush it off to yourself, but it does matter. And I want you guys to stop turning to the left or to the right about this. I want you guys to face it, because you will be all the better for it. How good does it feel to know you hold secrets and skeletons in your closet? How good does that feel? How good does it feel to feel like you have to parade around and have masks in every environment you have? That's not freedom. That's not freedom. I want you guys to get violent about the sin in your lives like Josiah did. Because it matters to him, and it should matter to you. Because all of the people who came before Josiah who did evil in the sight of God, they were not happy people. They were not happy people. They died really young. They did not do anything that mattered. Because here's the deal, you guys. There's a world full of people who have potential. Everybody in here, I'm looking at you, Riley, I'm looking at you, Ian, I'm looking at you, Maddie, I'm looking at you guys. You guys all have so much potential. 
But there is a gap between potential and realized dreams. Does that make sense? There is a gap between that. And that gap is filled with determination. So you have to decide if that potential will be lost in you. Or you're going to allow God to draw that potential out and to have the determination to bring it into something real. Because how many people in your life do you look at, maybe it's your moms and dads, maybe it's your uncles, maybe it's a friend of a friend, do you look at them, and as they get older, you look at them and you say, man, they're such a nice person, they're so sweet, but they have so much potential that's just not even being used. They're just wasted as a person. Maybe it's because they're, maybe it's because they're literally wasted. Maybe it's because they're drunk. So all that potential is wasted. Maybe it's because they're, maybe they're wasted because you see this ability to have leadership in them. They have, they're such a good leader. They're such a strong person. But the problem is they don't give a rip about anybody around them. They'll run everybody over. So they can't get anywhere in life because they just refuse to allow God to cultivate that in them. Because there is a world full of people who have potential. And you guys have some of the most potential that has not been realized. And at this point, when you guys are just a young sapling, it's important for you guys to start growing. It's important for yourself to start being cultivated. Because if you do not do it now, and if you do not get in a habit of setting your face like flint through these things, then you will not be able to grow when you get older. Studies show us time and time again that it's really difficult to teach yourself to do something new as you get older. It's really, really difficult once you form pathways in your in your brain to reform pathways. It's very, very difficult. And so if you guys do not do it now, studies show that you will not do it later. And that's why it's important for you now. Okay, let me move forward. <clears throat> So determination is really the fuel. It's the fuel that turns your potential into fulfillment. It's, it's the fuel that turns your potential into somebody who matters in this life. And it will be the fuel that will transform you in the summer. And then when you get back to school in the fall that you say, you know what, this summer I did something. This summer maybe I gave up a porn addiction or maybe I cleaned my room for a whole month straight. You guys got one month left until school starts, right? One month. Okay, one month. So what are you going to do with that month? Are you just going to choose to look at your phones, doom scrolling, all day long, all night long? Or are you going to do something that matters with your life? I want to do something that matters with my life. And if you guys don't set your face towards it, you'll be like my sunflowers. Just a dream that never got realized. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want you guys to be dreams that never got realized. Well, you could be like Joshua. Maybe you have a promised land that you need to take. Or you could be like Josiah, tearing down the idols. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do tonight. Okay, so pay attention. Maybe you're like Joshua, and God wants you to start taking promised land. Maybe you're like Josiah, and God wants you to start tearing down idols in your life and tearing down things that shouldn't be there. Or maybe you're like Jesus, who set his face towards Jerusalem, and God is calling you to do something that might be difficult for you, but he wants you to do it anyway. There is something that is a word for everybody here tonight. I believe that with my heart. But you guys have to do the work. 
This stuff doesn't just happen because you want it to happen. You don't just follow the Lord because it happened naturally. You follow the Lord, you do the things that he wants you to do, you become the person he wants you to become because you set your face towards it. And if there's one thing I want you guys to know tonight, it's that I see every one of you have so much potential. You guys have so much potential. Some of you have a gift to speak. Some of you have a gift of compassion. Some of you guys have a gift that you don't even know that you see yet. But those things God wants to draw out of you. And he wants to draw them out of you because he sees more in you than you see in yourself. But that happens with determination. That happens with setting your face like flint to the things he told you. So I'm just going to pray about that and then you are going to come up here, okay? God, I just thank you so much that you see more in us than we see in ourselves. And when we see somebody who's anxious, when we see somebody who's broken down, when we see somebody who's not capable, you say that we're more than enough to do the things you've called us to do. I just thank you so much that when we feel like we have nothing, when we feel like we're not even strong enough to clean our room, you see great strength in us because we rely on you. So God, I just I pray that you would help us to understand the power of determination. And you would help us to realize that that determination is a gift from you. And that that's the grace that you've given us to be able to do the things you've called us to do. So God, I just pray that we would rely on you in that. That we would trust your words above our experiences. That we would trust that when you say that we are enough, that we can believe you. And that we can trust in that word. So God, I just pray that you would... um, you just give us grace tonight to hear. Give us grace tonight to see ourselves the way that you see us and that, and that we would see ourselves um, through the eyes of you, Jesus. In your name, amen.